One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to What Culture Gaming. I'm Scott, joined by Josh. Hello, Scott. Josh, my friend, the second Oh My God video games report of the day is from Fallout 76, a game that has been on fire for many years and now has been fully detailed, thanks to a report from Kotaku, um, into the reality of just what the living hell was going on at Bethesda for the last sort of five, six years. My friend, it was a lot, if this report is to be believed. I would definitely recommend everyone go and read it. It's on Kotaku, like Scott said. It is called The Human Toll of Fallout 76's Disastrous mm. Launch. Uh, they have spoken to a bunch of anonymous sources who worked on the game, primarily QA testers at the time, yep. and this is like a wide-ranging thing going into the crunch that apparently happened on the game, what people said about like uh, getting issues that they knew about the game flagged up to management who apparently didn't do anything. There was a lot, a lot <laughs> to talk about, but I guess the crux of the reason why Fallout 76 was the way it was at launch mm -hmm. is apparently, according to this report, uh, like they just had no idea how to make a live Live service game in pretty much every area like they talk in this report about how they essentially like so many um, developers do go into a project with like a hubristic attitude of oh well we have so much experience we've made all of these great games this one will be fine we know best mm -hmm. but making as this report points out a game like Fallout 4 or Skyrim is markedly different to making a live service game mm -hmm. like Fallout 76 and everything from the engine to the time that uh, testers were allowed to spend with the game to the core design philosophy of the mm -hmm. title apparently just wasn't there. So I'm going to get into more details uh, in a second, but do you have anything <laughs> particularly that you want to point out? I just laughed. I just kind of thought, yeah, you could tell. Like, I mean, that was always the thing. And I, I always appreciate because you were saying they're going to it with a sort of hubristic attitude of like, well, we've done lots of things before. We can make this thing work. Yeah. And I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I love any artist, any creative, anyone who reaches for something I'll champion the reach, um, but you've got to make a decent grasp of it when you get there. And it's that thing where Fallout 76 could have been scrappy little Bethesda trying something, which is what used to be one of their greatest traits. They yep. were the little dev who could, um, you know, and they used to blow us away with the likes of Oblivion. You used to forget about the bugs or at least accept them um, as of Skyrim. And then Fallout 4 was the last straw, um, which the camel's back was already broken by the time 76 came out. And yep. we just kind of went, you can't do this. You're getting bigger and more ridiculous. Um, and the disaster is only more pronounced. So I just kind of laugh. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 such a... It, like, obviously, you know, Fallout 76 became a meme, but you read mm. this report and you look at just how much, like, stress a lot of the developers were under and how it's much horrifying. chaos yeah. was going on, apparently, uh, with this game. And it's like, it's, it's, it is crazy. You know, they talk in this about, you know, some of the more veteran developers from games like Skyrim, from games like Fallout 4 mm. and even Fallout 3, you know, working on Fallout 76 and essentially saying... I don't want to make this game. Like, that's the common thread <laughs> yeah. throughout this report is these sources saying that every 
everyone apparently on the team, apart from the very top management, was like, why are we making this? We we joined Bethesda to make single player games, mm-hmm. and now we're playing a live service title without any NPCs. How has this happened? And apparently there was a kind of real fracture between the people making the game and the people supposedly overseeing it. One of the main points was that, uh, according to some of the sources, while Todd Howard was supposed to be, you know, in charge and leading the game, mm. he was apparently spending more time on Starfield, which mm. is still yet to come out, and mm. would come back to the development of Fallout 76 and do something that the sources describe as seagulling, which is <laughs> uh, very evocative, and I will describe exactly what that is. Uh, according to the report, quote, uh, Todd Howard was supposed to be in charge of the game, but he spent most of his time working on Starfield, which reportedly started development after Fallout 4 shipped. One source told Kotaku that his subordinates would call it seagulling when he would, quote, fly by later and sh- over an idea that had popular traction within the design team. Oh my god. And this is, again, another common thread. Apparently, one of the things that the developers pushed back against Mm. was the idea of having no NPCs in the game at all, which was obviously incredibly controversial Mm. and didn't go down well with fans because a a huge chunk of what people get out of Fallout games is the storytelling and the characters. So to take the human characters out of the game, like that just seemed like a red flag immediately. Apparently, this was flagged by the developers who kind of keep kept uh, you know throwing it up the chain to be like this is a bad idea this is a bad idea <laughs> and according to the report uh, Todd Howard allegedly just wouldn't budge on that idea specifically because he was the one out there talking about um, you know the idea that you know you'll dictate the villains you'll dictate the heroes that the yep. whole interconnected universe of different players will make for all these really awesome dynamic interactions between other players and all of a sudden maybe you'll build up animosity towards a certain person and that's the story that you're telling across Fallout 76 um, I guy of No Man's Sky kind of Hello Games style where he's describing right, yeah. a version of the game that doesn't exist at that point in time but he's trying to market the thing that will hopefully be in your hands months down the line and um, which is a whole other conversation to be had about the reality of video game marketing but like, like that's the thing if he was that like set on that idea which you can romanticize that idea or maybe it would work to, in some version of Fallout 76 yeah. that actually did just work but at the same time um, you think about the tenets of the IP and we mentioned this in the Battlefield video um, there are certain things that make up a franchise that make up an IP there are certain expectations you have to stick to and I think an immersive world with other characters to talk to other than play Yes. Jumping around and teabagging is one of the things that people like about Fallout. Absolutely. I mean, you know, apparently the uh, the issues that the, the devs brought up with the game as well, mm. like, went down to, like, the really kind of granular things that people eventually criticized the game for anyway. There is a right. quote here where they say, quote, uh, some designers raised questions about griefing, multiplayer stability issues, and quest checkpointing, but said their concerns were dismissed or postponed by management. And it's stuff like that, like, that mismanagement and yeah. to kind of having people who know that the game is in a bad shape, they know what they need to fix, and then not being able to fix it, not yep. having the permission to fix it, like, that is the thing that seemingly tanked it at least at launch. There's one bit in here, and you might get here uh, as you go, but there's one bit where someone says, you know, there are these veteran developers who have been there some since Fallout 3, yeah. uh, and this they say that this was the straw that broke their back, that they've sort of yes. been waning on uh, their love for Bethesda over the years. It's Bethesda, you should stick around, um, but it was being forced through this game's development that eventually made them go no I'm actually done like this it was just that bad and that mismanaged and that unfocused and that 
pointless of a thing to put together if yeah. you're loving Fallout and loving Bethesda and that some people would rather go out the door. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, again, is, an, is a huge focus of the article. Obviously, the article is called The Human Toll of mm. It goes into that from top to bottom, from the QA uh, testers who were apparently, you know, incredibly overworked, incredibly frustrated, mm. who just were, like, stressed out and needed to get out of that company to the veteran developers that you said who had been at this franchise, uh, at this studio for decades, mm. and they decided, like, this is my breaking point. This yeah. is the time I'm going to go. And there just seems, again, according to the report, like there was this level of um, a lack of respect, almost, mm. from uh, to everyone working on the game and the people who were trying to help the game get better. There is a great section in the report where they talk about, you know, uh, asking the team who worked on the Elder Scrolls Online for help. And apparently they just didn't <laughs> want it. Again, going back to that hubristic attitude, it's, mm. it's, you know, where we made Fallout 4. Like, we know how to make a game. And it's like, yeah, but do you know how to make a live service game? Do you have this <laughs> team over here who has been through all of these issues? Like, it, the report mentions that the Elder Scrolls Online, obviously, that had, again, a rocky launch. Mm. But they learned from those mistakes and they turned the Elder Scrolls around, uh, online around, to be this really successful, really kind of, like, fan-loved thing. Yeah. But apparently, that was viewed, and I quote, uh, as a fluke. Like, that was just seen <laughs> oh, by Bethesda as this fluky thing. And we don't need to talk to those developers. We don't need their help, even though they're the only people within the team who has created a live service video game. They built it with a box of scraps. <laughs> nuts. <Yeah. laughs> so I'm not Elder Scrolls Online. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Yeah, it's um, like every single part of this. It's always the thing where I I have to obviously give it to as many members of the team that it needs to be given to, that looking back in hindsight is going to be a way to um, cherry pick different things of the way the project came together. However, we do see these things pop up so much, so many times. That's why I laugh so much about it. It's not to devalue the reality of what these people went through. Obviously, it sounds horrific. Um, I've done bug testing for games, not for very long, but I've done a little bit of it. And it's one of those things where if you were doing that day in, day out, and they talk about being given the wrong build for a game spending yes. your day's work your nine to five going through the wrong build of the game dude yeah, and oh, then, yeah. And then t- yeah. I'll, I'll get into that in a second you keep going yeah and then telling the, the you know standing up in the room and going well what the hell's the point this is a waste of time and um, there's that level of management being so messy even at that degree um yeah it's like i said i laugh at the reality of how like sorry i laugh at the, how ridiculous that this keeps happening is yeah. um but it is a hell of a human it is literally a hell of a human soul 100 you know i do want to kind of point out and flag that when the game came out like uh, it's, it's the QA testers in a lot of way who get like the brunt of mm. or not the brunt of a backlash but certainly a lot of backlash it's like why didn't you test this game why aren't you good at your job yes. and like you mentioned there it's not that there was a lack of testing it's that that testing process wasn't refined like you said they were getting you know builds that weren't even the thing that they were currently testing right now like they were getting old builds and the developers were already working on something else so mm-hmm. if they were reporting a bug for this it wouldn't matter because it wouldn't even match up you know the report goes into details about how updates to the builds to make it better would just break it entirely yeah. and because they're working on the engine uh, that was built for stuff like Skyrim which is already a creaky engine for those RPGs yeah. so to expand that out into a multiplayer thing apparently just uh, didn't really kind of work at all and that's and that's a shame because like it's not a lack of of testing that's not the no. issue like these QA testers were apparently like overworked you know working so many hours working weekends hours. and they didn't want to but it was that a lot of that time was just wasted because like mm. you said you know they didn't have the right tools to do their job uh uh, properly. Yeah, yeah. That's always the thing and they mentioned in the report about being uh, receiving death threats and being on the front line yeah. of the assumed people responsible for the state the game was in, whereas it is just this systematic failure on almost all departments um, but obviously you can bring that, it is, is all under the umbrella of the management, of the focus of the overall like, direction for the project itself. Um, but yeah, as we get more distance from Fallout 76, whenever I like read more about it, I think back on just how insanely mismanaged the whole thing was whether it was the, the Nuka-Cola tie-in stuff, the weird bin bag pre-order bag Oh God, I forgot about that. There's all that stuff. Oh, wow. um, where every single wing of this was just so ridiculously mishandled. Um, but yeah, I, um, it's it's a hell of a thing. There's one more um, quote that I want to get to because it's yes. just absolutely scathing. It's one of the most scathing things oh, I've God. in one of these reports. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, so someone was talking essentially about the chaos in the studio and they said, quote, I don't know how Bethesda made Skyrim. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, it had to have been like monkeys with a typewriter creating Shakespeare. I don't know how things could be so chaotic and people are still able to do their jobs and I think that kind of sums up uh, the sentiment of this report just chaos it's sort of every level Mm. no communication and just kind of like developing with the hope that eventually it'll come together Mm. and we just did a news video um, which might be out 
now Maybe. on a Battlefield 2042. And yes. again, it's kind of like the hope that we have all these disparate parts, will it come together? You know, we've talked about, in terms of reports like this before, about Bioware magic, about Bethesda Literally. magic, about Naughty Dog magic. You know, every each one of these teams has that kind of, I would say, arrogant idea Tell that me. because they are a, like a developer of such high caliber, mm. The, these projects will just naturally come together because where Bethesda where because why wouldn't they yeah because why wouldn't they mm-hmm. it obviously you know eventually as these games get bigger and bigger and more like you know resource demanding mm-hmm. like that magic is running out the thing that I really like it's it's so fascinating because I think if you're a team because there's a whole thing in the report about you know Bethesda or you know whatever worked in the 90s will just stick to that where Bethesda we're quite a small team uh, in the grand scheme of things like they're about 400 people big in the scope of an industry where Ubisoft are multiple thousands so it's that whole thing of a small team attitude that has gotten gradually bigger but the general mentality at the core of it is we know what we're doing where Bethesda will just keep going and like Josh said there was that whole thing that came out around the um, development of Anthem about the Bioware magic the idea that if we just keep going it'll come together somehow and there is a hubristic side to that but it's weird because I also kind of want to just I want to champion the ambition of that as well the potential ambition of it obviously in so many cases now where it hasn't worked Um, but you want to believe that there is still that small indie developer or small developer who could mentality in there that is prioritizing creativity and reaching and ambition, um, but it does need to meet the reality of a large-scale video game development cycle, That's it. Um, which is where the rubber hits the road or the people hit the, the wall of crunch, and then it just this stuff just keeps happening. I think that's an illuminating thing that is uh, reported about in the report mm. that is uh, reflected upon uh, across a bunch of different studios. You know, it is the sentiment that it's not the 90s anymore. It's not <laughs> even the early 2000s anymore. And well, these teams... just got an <laughs> They did, Scott. They did. It was good. <laughs> but these studios have gotten bigger and bigger while mm. still adopting that small team mentality as the report puts it and it's kind of like yeah that is at the heart of a lot of these old school studios Mm. that once had success with like smaller teams creating these big ambitious games and they could pull it off because you know it's it's much easier to wrangle 40 even 100 developers than it is to wrangle 400 or to take people off working on games like Redfall which was reportedly what was happening uh, during Fallout 76's development and kind of bring them in and kind of wrangle all those people Mm. like that's just not sustainable on that scale at all no, so it, it, also in this report, just as a, a sign-off thing, is the reality of Starfield overlapping with this game's development and various assets and people being brought onto that. So I, I'm so curious what Starfield's going to be. Like, yeah, I kind it. of view it as the, they need it to land in a way that Skyrim did. They need it to be this huge deal um, that makes us go, oh my God, you've still got it, Bethesda. Um, and the likes of Todd Howard prioritizing that that's going to say it gives me hope. It doesn't. It, it gives me some level of um, authenticity to the old school Bethesda that um, Fallout 76 didn't have. Anyway, let us know what you think down in the comments below of the entire situation as it has unfolded so far. And also, you might have noticed that the Future Game Show logo is hanging out behind us, that this whole background has changed. That is because the Future Game Show is on on Saturday, in amongst all the other awesome video game announcements that are happening across the next few days. And you can check it out streaming online, um, powered by Mana on Saturday night, 8pm in the UK, 12pm Pacific daylight time and 3 p.m. Eastern daylight time. The event's hosted by The Witcher 3's Geralt and Yen, Doug Cockle and Denise Goff and there'll be tons of games and even some world premieres, Josh. World premieres? Stuff to check out. So if you're in a video game ass mood which we very much are and check the link in the description for more details. For now, I've been Scott from WhatCulture.com. I've been Josh from WhatCulture.com. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Goodbye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.